Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that we promise won't charge dead people. That's right, I'm Scott Phillips and with me is the straw man himself, Andrew Page. How are you, Ram? Mr. Phillips, I am very, very good. How are you? Mr. Phillips. Do I have to call you Mr. Page now? Is that how this works? It's very very formal. formal. I thought I thought I'd go more formal this week. I I appreciate a bit more respect. That's actually quite nice. Thank you, mate. It's about <laughs> bloody time. Hey, um, now, now uh, uh, this straw man thing, I've heard of it, but uh, tell me what it is. So... I've got to come up with a different way of explaining it, don't yeah, I? You um, do. <laughs> uh, so what is it? A straw man is a way to test your ideas in a public forum <laughs> to practice investing with a play money portfolio, get a bit of confidence, get a few other ideas, and uh, hopefully something you can apply to the real world to become a better investor. How's I'll that? let you get away with that. Andrew <laughs> is the founder, CEO, managing director, and chief cook and bottle washer at Strawman. I'm at the Motley Fool's chief investment officer here in Australia. And with those introductions out of the way, mate, that's a, that's a that's a probably a seven out of ten. I'll give you for that one. Dude, dude, okay, yeah, it's could be good, worse. Pretty good. Well, you know, it's, it's getting harder. The, the whole idea. And by the way, listeners are loving it. Some of the feedback we're getting, they're, they're loving your uh, attempts to to redescribe Strawman. So you know what? If if guerrilla marketing works, they're at least uh, they're at least understanding and hearing the hearing the brand. So that, that's a win, <laughs> mate. Um, we've got a big podcast this week we've got plenty of stuff to get on with um man covid is just rearing its ugly head again mm. uh, lots of corporate news and some really interesting kind of big picture stuff that i think is really going to impact both the way the economy and the investing world unfolds and also hopefully some lessons from that so we'll, we'll talk about a bit of that uh, we're going to have a bit of fun too we've already pre-discussed some of these topics so it's going to be it's going to be a good one uh maybe yeah, looking forward to a stock pick or two too so we'll see how we go let's get on with it okay so it Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Alright, mate. Let's um oh man. I I you know, we even back back before you rejoined us, mate, we'd kind of do this, you know, COVID update almost every week because it was just such a big deal. And I think we kind of all figured that that was behind us, we can kind of get on with it. And then and then there was Victoria again. And mm. while we record this on Thursday morning. Uh, there were reports that the Victorian uh, cabinet was considering more lockdowns or new lockdowns. 25 cases were the last numbers we saw. Frankly, in 36 hours' time, by the time this goes to air, or not quite 36, but, you know, 230 or so, um, a lot more will be known. Uh, we can only desperately hope that it's good news. Uh, if you guys are in lockdown in Victoria again, we, our thoughts are with you. You've certainly done it hard over the last 12 or 15 months. Um, hopefully, mm. this one is short and sharp and they can get back on top of it. Hopefully, the, the contract tracing works. Um, I... I still, mate, for the. We'll start with the non investing tangent. The hotel quarantine debacle, it just drives me absolutely freaking bananas, can I say? Um, oh, mate, be, 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 come on. Uh, they've, they've only had over a year to, <laughs> to get ready for this. I think you're being a bit harsh, you know? And there's only been like a thousand experts that have said this is probably not a good idea. And you don't want to rush these things. You don't want to rush don't it. I don't get it. I, I, by the way, I have, my auntie is actually in a hotel quarantine in Sydney right now, um, having come over from America. She's got another 10 or so days to go. Um, so I have, I have some skin in this game, but I, I, I just, mate, <laughs> I, it is just, I don't actually, I, I'm, I'm lost for words, which, I don't, which doesn't happen very often. Why on earth, the feds and the states, and, you know, people with different political persuasions, I feel like blaming one or the other, I don't really care. Between the two of them, to, to, be, to not be able to have designed and implemented a workable quarantine system, given there's been, what, at least one in Sydney, at least one in WA, at least one in Queensland. I think there's been two in Victoria. 
Um, mm. And one in South Australia. I mean, like, <laughs> so like, not only have they had 15 months to do it, mate, there have been so many bloody cases where this is like, oh, oh we didn't expect that. And then no one said, hey, let's fix it. Let's do something different. They went, oh, that yeah. sucks. Oh, well, mm. I guess we'll, let, we'll keep the things the way they are and see if they happen again. I just, yeah. I don't even, I, I just can't. I don't even know what decisions are being made in the corridors of power that nobody's making a difference. It just drives me bananas. Absolutely yeah. freaking bananas. Yeah, me too. And especially too, just to sort of tie it back to the finance angle. I mean, the big- <laughs> Yeah, please the big, <laughs> Well, the big, the big worry, of course, is quote unquote, the economy, right? Yeah, and yeah. we know what's at stake. And as we often talk about, the economy is is people, it's people's yep. lives, their yep. livelihoods and the rest of it. There's, there is huge amounts of stuff at stake here. Yep. And, and, and so I think where I struggle with it all is that, yep, I think- Probably these these people, these decision makers, look at it and go, "Oh, there's a lot of cost and effort and stuff involved." But you've got to look at it against the the opportunity cost yep. in, in a way, and it's like, what what's at stake here? So if we throw a whole bunch of money at it, and mm. it means that everything stays open and we go on, I mean, isn't mm. that isn't that an incredible payback versus having to lock down Victoria again for another couple of weeks and and the mm. rest of it? And mm. scarily enough, too, this this one is apparently the more virulent Indian strain as well, which is something like five to six times more contagious. So it is. <laughs> this is this is really really serious stuff. And on, on top of that, if you want to talk about debacles, and you know we've got the vaccine rollout, we've got two percent of Australians <laughs> fully vaccinated. It's mm. it's it's a worry. And and I'd I'd be. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if this starts having an impact on the market as well, because yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, particularly for for those companies that are that are super exposed. So for a, for a country that is so dependent on things like tourism and the education sector, which which very much relies on on overseas students and the rest of it, mm. it just seems like something. Wow, you really want to get on top of this because there's again, there's so much at stake. But we 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 can hope we can hope that things get better. Yeah, I just you know. Um I, a tweet just dropped from Michaela Whitbourne, a Fairfax Journo, and she says, still can't get over how infuriating it would be to do your time in hotel quarantine and get COVID in there and then inadvertently mm. seed more cases back home. Not fair. Mm. I think that pretty yeah. much wraps it up, right? Like it just Pretty much, anyway. yeah. Look, on, on the markets, mate, you make, you make the right point. And this is, I mean, this is, you know, uh, the, the, the reality simply is that it's very, very often the case that that the moral or ethical views and frankly the, the self-interest of financial views actually overlap quite nicely. In this case, it's like, you know what? If you care yes. about the economy, you want this thing stamped out. If, if you don't care about the people, if you don't care about COVID, even if you're one of those no hotel quarantine, let it rip, who cares? The impact on the economy, we've had kind of, you know, 12 months off and on of a free open economy that's working because there's no COVID here. Um, mm. we, you know, we, I've got, we've got colleagues in the US, friends in the US, we see their lives are still dramatically impacted by yeah. what's going on, right? And yes, the economy is growing there, but it's growing from last year where it absolutely tanked because it was so terrible. So, you know, some sort of bounce back is absolutely welcome, but it's still really struggling. We're kind of, we had got back to some sort of normalcy, right? And to, to allow this to happen just boggles the mind. Anyway, um, yeah. speaking of which, mate, you mentioned the impact on the market. What, what do you do as a result? I mean, what, what, do you, what do you start doing? What do you start thinking about? What, what changes in your investing as a result? Not a lot. Um, and so I, I'm always starting with the, when I, ever, ever I make an investment, I'm always trying to sort of look way out. I'm trying mm -hmm. to sort of, the big picture question is, is this business bigger, more profitable in five years time than it is today? Right. And, and, 
having been a, an investor for a long time and a, and a student of business and, and when you study even the very best businesses outside of any sort of pandemic or any kind of factor like that there's mm. always speed bumps there's always hiccups you know so it's it's yeah. I, I think when you look at where we are right now a, a very reasonable person could say well this could very mm-hmm. easily become a thing and mm. this is going to have you know implications for sydney airport for event hospitality for uh webjet you know flights all, all of these kinds of things but mm-hmm. that's probably not the right question to ask it, it's more about how long is it and what does it say about the business's long-term viability mm. and, and and the reason it's it's not that it's not going to have an impact for these uh, companies it most it most certainly will if, if things um, uh, continue it, it's just that if it wasn't COVID it would be something else and it, it's like with retailers you know people in the market often freak out if there's one particularly bad quarter or something like that it's just mm-hmm. I think when you try to base your investments by looking three six even 12 months ahead you're playing a mugs game I was, I was saying to a mate yeah. on the weekend that you know there's there's this thing called the share market and it's always seen as highly speculative and a big gamble and very risky and something you wouldn't want to do. But you you don't have you you don't have to play the same game as what everyone else is playing. Um, and so you, there's this there's there's this thing called the market, but you can approach it in umpteen different ways. Some are it's like that old saying: if you treat the market like a casino, you'll get the same results. But if if and 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 frankly. You're not going. No matter how clever you think you are, when you think about it this way, the most intelligent people in the world, with the best education, the best resources, the best <laughs> institutional—you know—they. We and we know this isn't me just being mean. This is there's so many studies that have shown this. They really get subpar results uh, more often than not, and and so you've got to imagine that you can anticipate near-term future better than these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and somehow do what no one else has been able to do, and also do it on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mugs game. Or you can say, well, I'm just not going to play that game. And so for me, it's when I look at just to circle back eventually to your point. When it comes to COVID, <laughs> what do I do? Well, I'm I'm never playing that game in the first place. So yeah. so I think in fact that's where opportunity lies a lot of the time because. Companies with strong balance sheets, uh, good business mm. models, yada, 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 will will still be around. They'll be hit. But within that, you'll probably get some really good opportunity because the, the pendulum seems to swing too far on both the upside and the downside. Yeah, so there, if, if, you can, if you can just sort of say, well, listen, I'm not going to try and forecast where what Webjet's earnings are going to be in you know, FY22, but mm. I'm looking at where they'll be in FY23 and, and, and sort of work backwards from there. I've actually got a massive advantage. That's the advantage you have as a private investor is one of time frame because most of the most of the most of the big guys aren't playing that game and most and most retail investors aren't playing that game as well. So it's a game that that you can very um, have a very high degree of confidence of winning if you can just make make sure you focus on the right thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Man, I, I can't, I can't actually. What about you? That, what I about think, you? Think, are you, are you doing anything different? Or? No, I think, well, I think that's, you know, I think I completely agree with you. I, what, <laughs> the, the, the message I think, uh, yeah, to your point about just not playing that game is exactly the right one. We see, uh, you know, the, we're recording this at 9.30 on Thursday morning. There's a very good chance that if and when lockdowns are mooted or reported or announced that the travel stocks will fall again. And yep. it's kind of one of those, you like, <laughs> They just every time there's good news they're up five percent. Every time there's bad news they're down they're down five percent. And it just mm. there is just no basis for it, right? If you own a share for let's call it corporate travel, I own those shares. Let, let's put that on the table. Twenty bucks a share, just so I happen to know the share price. Um, the twenty dollars should repl- should represent the entire future earnings of corporate travel, 
discounted back to the present. We won't get into the algebra on that, but effectively a dollar now is worth more than a dollar later. So a dollar in earnings in 25 years' time is not worth a dollar, the same as a dollar of earnings today because you've got to wait no. 25 years to get it and you want to return on that. So you've got to discount it back and we won't, I said, won't get into that. But if, if that represents the entire future of corporate travel's earnings from now to eternity and based on a, an, a short-term impact in one state, really, like one-twentieth of the entire future earnings of that business is gone, Mm. Even even with the discount, it just, it's just stupid, right? And the same as you say in the reverse, Matt. When when they lift the restrictions, the shares go up five percent. Same thing. It just it just mm. doesn't have any any semblance of reality to it. And you know you can't make the market change, so you got to live through that. But as you say, it potentially offers opportunity. Um, can offer risk if you let the market tell you what to do or what to think. And this is the big one when you know uh, what should we do now? What should we do now? Well, what should we doing yesterday? Yeah, there's a lockdown. Well, that's fine. But you know th- there may well be, God forbid, terrorism or airspace lockdowns or other things that in the future uh, there'll be other recessions other economic crashes over the life of corporate travel or Qantas or flight center or you know anything else these things will happen and that's you know that's already should be baked into the price so you know there's no there's no point overreacting there's no use overreacting it won't stop the market but you can stop yourself being dragged into that game can I add one more point which is a very um, an easy trap to fall into so often I hear people will sort of say, well, I'm, I'm with all of that. I just want to wait until it gets a, a bit more clarity. <laughs> right. But, but yeah. the kind of, the, the trouble is, is that, that your opportunity exists now. Once, once everyone knows the future with more clarity, the opportunity is no longer there. Yep. So it's kind of like you, you kind of, you, if you want the bargain, you have to buy when there is uncertainty or there's the, yeah. the, the, the majority of market participants do have a divergent opinion to you because just by the nature of the market and how it all works is, is by the time we we're all agreed that, that Qantas is fine, well, the share price reacts almost instantly and you, you just can't do it. So it's, there's a compromise to be had there. You, 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 pay, you pay a premium for certainty. And you yep. get bargains when there comes to uncertainty. Now, yep. you know, with with uncertainty comes greater chance of loss. So that, that you know, it's 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 not it, there's there's still a lot of risk and challenges. But it's just it's worth pointing that out that that uh, you you can't have it both ways. You can't have a great bargain and a high degree of certainty. Yeah, I think that, I think that's absolutely spot on, Matt. That's that's perfect. Hey, um, <laughs> so actually, we'll do one more before we move on. That is, a, I'm not a victory lap kind of guy. I just don't do them, right? But I will say that in March and April last year, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I hope I have. If I haven't, then now's a good time. In March and April last year, we, you know, there were two groups of people. Well, three groups of people. One saying everything's going to hell in a handbasket, so the market's going to crash and die, and, you know, um, <laughs> democracy, capitalism are over, right? Which is dumb, but, you know, there you go. There was another group which we were saying, well, as you said, we'll wait till this is over. We'll wait till the COVID cases go to zero, then we'll start buying. We'll wait till we have more certainty. Then we'll start buying. Well, you know, the idea that somehow the market was going to work step go you know, in in step in tandem with the, the you know the pandemic itself was just dumb. Like it was really dumb. Mm. And mm. there were some really big, important, well known people and some lesser known people who were all ranting about they're going to wait till this and the the, the 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 recovery was overdone and it was I'm going to you know it was a fool's rally and all that kind of rubbish. And it just wasn't true. And it just mm. wasn't true. Now I didn't predict the future at all. I didn't say it would happen or wouldn't happen. All I simply said was, hey, the market's crashed 40%. If and when it goes back to those previous highs, which it has done every single time in history, let me say that slowly, you're going to make 60%. The, the gains were there to be picked up, right? When the market falls 40, it goes back up 60 to get back to the same level. So if you just held on, you're going to make that back. If you're adding money to the market, 
you're going to make that back. It didn't matter how long it took. I mean, yeah, if it took 25 years and, of course, you're going to make a terrible annual return, even if that 60% gain took five years, that's still mm. a 10% compound return. If it took less than that, if it took four years, if it took three years or two years, or in this case, one year, you made an absolute squillion dollars just by doing, as you just said, mate, and ignoring the short term, ignoring the doomsters, not waiting for the coast to be clear, but saying, you know what? The market's always got back to previous highs. There are no guarantees, but gee, if it does, and I, I said I thought it would, then you know it, it's it's a good place to invest. And so I don't say that for a, a victory lap per se. I do say that because I want our listeners to know that, you know, <laughs> next time this happens, be careful who you listen to, right? Because those mm. people saying, hey, don't worry, just just wait, just wait, just wait, they cost you a lot of money if you listen. Yeah, but what? Yes, you're right. And but but what it is, I think, is it's it's greed and it's probably hubris as well. So yeah. it's sort of like, okay, sure, market's down forty percent. Things things are pretty cheap, and eventually they'll get back to normal. No no yeah. no one probably doubts that. But maybe if it's down fifty percent, I'll get an even better <laughs> return. Maybe if it's down sixty yeah. percent, imagine the yeah. returns then. And so. It's 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 those factors. So, yeah. I mean, I was I was buying in. I, I mean, my regret with these things is always not buying enough. But but mm. I was buying during COVID, and I bought some shares in well, a whole bunch of stuff. But Catapult's a good example. Mm. They they do um, sport analytics. They do the yep. little trackers on the in the back of the jerseys for for pretty much every sport professional sport on the planet, and they dropped you know from pretty much two dollars down to a dollar. And so I bought a bunch. And, and guess, and as you know, as night follows day, and is this the way that the universe likes to treat me? <laughs> because we're all in a simulation, and someone's just you know messing with me. You know, it dropped another thirty percent. And 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 let me tell you, it's very easy for us to sit here and sort of say, "Oh, don't worry about it. Think long term." Rah 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 rah. I can tell you, mate. Uh, you know, the I, I had yeah. trouble sleeping because it was just sort of like. Oh my yeah. gosh! What have I done? Have I done yeah. the right thing? Oh, God, it, I thought dollar was cheap, and then it got to seven. And then even we went lower, and mm-hmm. and that's that's one example. But it pretty much happened with all of them. The point mm-hmm. I would like to emphasize is that it's not about picking bottoms. Like so, if you know, pick any random company you want. Let's company X Y Z. If it it goes from two to one, and 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 you buy it, and then it goes to fifty cents and twenty cents and two cents. So that is yeah. that is a very brutal paper loss. But your point. <laughs> Your yeah. point still remains is that if in a few years that is back at two dollars, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. going to care. So when I look at some of the best returns that I've had on the market, yep. did I pick the bottom? Absolutely not. Did it yep. and 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 did it take a long time to get back? Yes, it did. Do mm-hmm. I care? Not really. I mean, it's yep. it's they've been incredible annualized returns because picking the bottom doesn't matter. It and and that's and and I think also just having that emotional fortitude to. And again, I don't want to pretend it's easy because I'd be lying to you if I said I I, I, right, I find yeah. it easy. It was it was yeah. very hard, and you yeah. really do doubt yourself. And there's often that moment of capitulation where it's just sort of like, "Yep, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong." Now, can you just say that eight months and another fifty percent down? Yeah, it is really, 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 really hard. So it's it's not easy. But again. That is, if you if you are a person that is better at, no one's great at it, but it's, if you're better at that, man, yeah. that is yeah. that is such a powerful advantage. And as I say, you're not going to care in the fullness of time. It's not about getting the perfect return; it's just about getting a good return. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's let's move on back because we, we've we've done that one to death, but it's an important one because, frankly, I, I just read in the front page of the Age at the moment. There's no announcement yet, man. Look, yeah, I said by the time this goes to air, um, Alice will well and truly know what's going on. But they're talking about a. Apparently, public health experts recommending a lockdown of seven to ten days. So, uh, you guys, Victoria, may be in for a tough, a tough week ahead. 
Uh, we hope we hope it's okay. We hope it's uh, not too tough. We know you've certainly had plenty of practice before, um, but uh, keep your chins up and, and hopefully yeah. things will, will go as well as, as well as they can. Yeah, I hope you stocked up on toilet paper too. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not going to bite. I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> so speaking of, I don't know. Speaking of something, toilet paper or bad things or something. Uh, God, God love AMP, mate. I um, this is the, this is the post. This is this is Australia's Kodak, right? Like it hasn't gone broke. You and I are old enough to remember. I've said this before, but there were uh, back in the olden days, back in the good old days. You know, for people under you know whatever age, under a certain age, um, back in the gold, the good old days. We, there were some businesses that were so it was a, it was a simpler time, but businesses that were so dominant, so um, so well known, so ubiquitous. They had the word the in front. Do you remember? Remember BHP used to call the BHP. Do you remember that? I actually don't. People say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're about twenty years older than me, so maybe. Uh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm better than that. People say <laughs> I work at the BHP. That, that, yeah, that's how they right. talk about the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah in fact, yeah, I heard yeah. a bloke on a, a, the Conversations podcast with Richard Feidler who, who literally was talking about his time at the BHP. And, he, and it was like, and when, as soon as he said it, was like, oh my God, I remember that now. Mm. AMP mm. was one of those businesses. You worked at the AMP. You got your <laughs> insurance from the AMP. It was, it was just one of those things where, they're the only two I know of. I'm sure there were plenty of others that people will tell us. Um, but they were, they, it was so, this was in 1970 something, 1980, early 80s. This was the predominant national finance brand. This is the business that should have seen, not even seen it coming, just when it came. When, when the wave of financial growth came and with all the good and bad stuff it bought with it, AMP should have ridden that wave like bugger and it should be today Australia's largest business. There is mm. absolutely no excuse for it not to be the largest publicly listed company in Australia. It had yeah. the brand, it had the people, it had the financial planners, it had the sales infrastructure, it had, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how, badly, how much more badly you could have screwed AMP up over the last 40 years. They managed mm. it. It's pretty good. They've done well. I don't know yeah. how they've done it, but they've done it. It's yeah. um, it's a hell of a thing. The the troubles, unfortunately, might keep coming. It's trying to split itself up, sell itself off. And today, news that ASIC, the corporate regulator, is suing AMP for unconscionable conduct for wait for it, suing dead people. Oh, sorry, suing dead, but charging it, dead people. Charging how dead good, people, Mike. How good goodness. is that? Uh, look, they, these these you know, it's it's that case of for me once, shame on you. For me, four million right, times, right. shame on me. Like, how many times do you need to? Mm-hmm. Does a company need to do something before you think there's just there's um there's a culture? I, I would put it down to a cultural problem. This is really hard. It doesn't fit into a spreadsheet. Yeah. You don't get this from the annual report. But I mean, this is a people business, and that's why and I culture want to is- raise it, mate. Because it, uh, you know, we can we can read about AMP. You not you don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, none of our listeners own it, but. This if is, you do, by the way, sell. We're not allowed. We're not allowed to give uh, specific advice, but sell. <laughs> Take your money, put it somewhere else. It's down ninety-one percent since two thousand, and it's only going in right. one direction. If you ask but, me, but but, but but more than that, right? The the, the question is, what, what do we learn from it? You, you, to your point, there are things. Yeah, you know, the old the old line of not everything can be counted counts, and everything that counts can be counted. Mm. And it's for AMP. I think it is that story, right? And and it's it's the counter example where you really need to dig deep. If you just said. Hey, mm. great business, great brand. And plenty of people, even a couple of months ago, people were saying to me, okay, but surely now, surely now it's going to come. I had some guy on on, uh, on Facebook keep saying to me, hey, AMP, it's coming back, it's coming back, it's coming back. Surely it's as cheap as it can get. What else can go wrong? It's like, mm. well, turns out today <laughs> this can go wrong. And it's not yeah. to say the shares can't be higher at some point, but as you say, mate, it's those cultural issues. It's the, 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 the squishy stuff that mm. you really need to have a handle on, right? Because if you, you know, yeah. 
that would have told you that there is, and by the way, the ongoing bad performance. It's the other thing about Buffett's line about, you know, turn around, seldom turn, right? The idea of, yeah. hey, buy MP, because when it comes back, it's like, well, you've been saying that for, you know, what, 20? Uh, yeah, the share price graph is atrocious, isn't it? But shame it's it, not, this is not a, a visual medium, but the share price growth is, uh, share price graph is just a disaster. Well, it's very it's very informative because although it has fallen ninety percent, you know, in the last twenty years or so, mm-hmm. you know, between two thousand and three and two thousand and six, it was up a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it, and and et cetera, et cetera. The, the, these things happen. <laughs> well, so it's like it's like it's like the companies that go in the other direction. Like you yeah. know, the, we always yeah. use the Amazon example. It's like up a billion percent, but geez, it's had yeah. probably like a dozen twenty percent falls in its time. So it's sort of you you really do need to pan out to get the bigger picture, and and you can be you can mm. be right about the general f- future mm. and trajectory of a business, but be wrong, <laughs> quote unquote, for a for a fairly decent amount of time in between. Um, yeah. But it, it's, you know, just as people say, oh, it's dangerous to catch a, a falling knife. Well, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. dangerous to catch a rising one too if it's eventually going to turn around and fall back down. So, um, yeah, I, 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 just, I just think that mm-hmm. someone will probably get close to the bottom and maybe they'll enjoy a little bit of a profit there and maybe they manage to get their act together. But, but uh, the, the, the risks around that are really great. And I, I don't know how you actually uh, work out the likelihood of that and the timing of that it's just it's just super hard um the, the leopard doesn't change its spots too much and when you when you've just seen a, a business just do so many bad dodgy things and even outside you, you'd kind of you'd kind of go we're, we're we're very easy at sort of rationalizing and i i more than most people and and i could probably rationalize it to myself if they've done all these highly dubious dodgy things but at least they've made a squillion bucks along the way it's kind of like well if you're gonna if you're gonna do dodgy things at least make money out of it why why break the law and then still lose money i mean what are you doing crime doesn't pay but i mean with these guys it's sort of like crime definitely crime crime doesn't pay even when you get away with it for a time Oh, it's a it's a hell of a thing. I just and look, yeah, I think you, you, that was the point of raising. Just to say, you know what, AMP is AMP. Like you know, I, I don't I don't know who cares anymore. Um, that, that kind of gets the headlines because it's still a, a brand that people over a certain age, i.e., me uh, and you, by the way, uh, know, know <laughs> well. And it's one of those brands. I mean, my, so I think I said before, my parents met, believe it or not, at the AMP back in uh, the AMP, back in nineteen seventy something. Um, okay, and so actually, it's, my, my father's passed away. So my mother, mother and father's wedding anniversary today. So happy anniversary, mum. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's just but it's, you know it's that sort of business, right? It's been around such a long time. The brand still resonates with people, except it just the business model's dead. That they're screwing with the, the customers. Like it's just it's just a bizarre, bizarre, horrible story of like this dying business that won't quite die, but still manages yeah. to disappoint. Which is just it's a heck of a trick to be able to pull, right? We're not dead yet, but we're really, really trying. It's it's a it's a I look, you know, I don't. If you own the shares, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of it, but man, it's just it's just. It's one of those, and we'll get on one of those in a minute, but it's just one of those things where you really need to know where the puck's going. The old Wayne Gretzky quote, right, of great, mm, okay, nice it. hockey player, where they say, you know, how have you, how have you got so good or who does that affect? And he said, most people skate to where the puck is. I mm. skate to where the puck's going. And it's mm. obvious at, at one level, but gee, it's important. And AMP were great at where the puck was in 1975. You know, they, they were all over yep. the puck. Probably the puck yep. moved and they're still in the same spot waiting for the puck to come back. And it never did, what, right? What, was, what the puck, that the mate? That, that, yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let me make another point on this. <laughs> bad, bad joke. Um, terrible, uh, uh, so what people tend to think is that 
blue chip. There's this term, and everyone's familiar oh, with it, called blue chip. It comes from the old riverboat casinos where the highest value um, playing chip was was blue. And oh, so, so blue you know, chip- I never knew that. I've learned something today. There you go. Didn't Thanks you know God. that? Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. have any idea of that. There you go. Well, that's the story I've heard, and I'm, I'm going to run with it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm going to fact um, check. Let's chip is right. <laughs> don't worry about fact checking. Um <laughs> But but this is this is in the ASX uh, 100. Um, it's 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 one of the biggest companies. <laughs> Usually used to pay a dividend, and so people have this view yeah. that if I stick to the big end of town, that's that's yeah. the safest sort of area. Well, yeah. let's look at AMP. Let's look at Telstra. Yeah. Let's look at you know the bank. Well, CBA's mm-hmm. hit 100 bucks, which maybe mm-hmm. we should we should touch on too recently. But I mean, generally over the last five years, it's done nothing. It's you know it it's mm-hmm. it's I think. I think it's a mistake to think just because something's big, it is it is safe, mm-hmm. um, and that's what that's what determines its inclusion in these indexes. It's market mm-hmm. capitalization largely. Also, there's some liquidity considerations, but that's basically it. And then you know, because as you know, I very much focus on the small cap, and, and people go, "Oh, but it's so risky." It's like, well, <laughs> you know, maybe they're less traded, yeah, maybe they're a bit yeah, more illiquid, yeah. maybe they're a bit more volatile. But I would mm. put most of my businesses against you know AMP <laughs> in particular, saying, "Well, you know," and, and it's also yeah. isn't it funny because a lot of these small caps might be two hundred million dollar market cap. They, they're not small mm. businesses, and they have much better balance sheets, much better growth prospects, much better management as well. So I just I just like to make that point. Don't make the mistake that so many new investors do that if it's big it's safe because the 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 big end of town is littered with examples of terrible terrible (laughs) terrible investments yeah exactly motley fool money financial advice for real people not trust fund hippies sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m mate speaking of speaking of business to to um to follow i so the Australian Financial Review Rich List is out tomorrow or today when people listen to this, but tomorrow our time. So we're recording this on Thursday, the twenty seventh of May. Um, I just like to type. I got asked once before, mate, to, to date stamp this, and thought I would uh, just yep. to just to give people a, a sense of when we're recording. So it's out tomorrow. It's the old BAW Rich List for those again who are a little bit older. And again, I'm dating myself horribly in this episode. Um, one of the stories that really grabbed my attention this week, and it kind of goes, there is a lesson here, but it's, a, it's an interesting story in itself. A story of a business called Black Magic, I think from memory. Um, and it's a, it's a business basically, uh, yeah, Black Magic Design, run by a guy called Grant Petty. And I just want to read um, a, couple of, a couple of lines just from the AFR article. It starts by saying, for Grant Petty, becoming a rich lister, so he's on the, the rich list, is more about the vindication than the money. Mm. It then goes on to say a bit later in the article, having lived in a housing commission flat when he was a child, his entry into the rich list, he says, is a repost to the bankers who have knocked him back both times he's asked for a loan. And to those who question why the company spends $40 million some years on research and development, yet continually reduces his, its prices. Um, he said, and then here's a quote from him. The most interesting thing about making the rich list for me is making those people shut up and take notice. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know Grant Petty from Abara Soap. Apparently, the software is great. I, I tweeted about this during the week and um, someone replies that he's one of the good guys and done a great, great product, great system, great business, all that sort of stuff, which is fantastic. And like, I love celebrating these people that make it big and do really, really well. But it just also reminds me that like an Elon Musk type character and plenty of others, Backing the bloke with a chip on his shoulder is often a really, really good investment strategy, right? Like mm-hmm. we like founder owners generally because they're going to try harder. They're going to put the extra work in. They're going to give up less quickly. They're going to have the idea, the design, the the kind of, you know, the, the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you've talked before about the phrase professional managers 
in air quotes, mm. is almost a you know almost a negative, right? You don't want a, the managerial class running the place. You want the guy who desperately cares about this business and wants to make it great. And I yeah. just thought, you know, it's one of those things. Again, I don't know Grant. I'm not not, I'm not referencing him directly here, but if you've got a guy with a chip on his shoulder who wants to prove something, man, that is like that's rocket fuel, right? If you it's just powerful. and it won't, doesn't mean you'll mm. be successful. But if you've got someone like a Musk or a, or a Grant Petty or someone who's like, you know what, I'm going to go and show those bastards that, mm. that, that you know, you, I would, I would, if you could make a, an ETF out of just that, I would put a very, very large amount of money on the fact that would beat the market by a decent margin, almost by definition, right? Maybe you wait till it gets to a certain size of revenue or something to make sure you don't, you know, there's plenty of people who have chips on their shoulders and you know crash and burn because they they won't, you know, they won't take no for an answer when no is actually the right answer. So that you know, yeah. they can go both ways. But once you hit escape velocity as that kind of person. I'm going to say, and again, I don't mean this critically at all. Um, and I'm not not being not being pejorative by using the term, but if a guy's got, got it, wants to prove something, then you know what you want to you want to be on that sleigh ride because when he when he crashes through, he is going to do really 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 well. This is a really key example for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with all of that. I think anyone out there who's ever run a business of any scale mm. or, or size knows that it's just it's super super tough, and every day you get a reason to throw you know throw in the towel. Right, right. And and th- these things that sort of go, again, this sounds a bit derogatory, but b- beyond reason in something, it's it's sort of it's a very common trait amongst very successful people because I think I used to think when I was younger that the the, the best the best entrepreneurs um, were, were those that were the smartest, and and I I no longer think that, and that's I, I think I that being it. smart and hardworking just gets you to the starting line, like. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's, I used to read a lot of biographies for for business people and stuff, <laughs> and it was you know what it was. I'll summarize every single one of it for you. I worked really, really, really hard, and it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's it, it's kind of like yeah, it's true. But yeah. what you yeah. miss yeah. there is there's there's the history of silent evidence. I mean, there is there is for every Elon Musk, there's a thousand others that are just as smart, maybe smarter, just as mm-hmm. hardworking, um, but but didn't hit it. So it, it's kind of like, I think these are the characteristics that sort of go on top of that, where you need mm-hmm. to sort of just, I am going to make this work no matter what. And I will put up right. with things that would would send 99% of other people packing. Yeah. So it, it's really fascinating. I, I think... I think just in general, in terms of a practical angle, when you're when you're looking at a business, I think we always talk about founder-led is is always mm-hmm. very powerful, aligned incentives. So they've got a lot of yep. of their own money in it is is very good. What they say, what they've said over the years, just following the journey. Those that talk about what this, they have a vision. It's and, and this is what annoys me about the managerial class. It's always about managing next quarters or next half results. Yeah. You know, these people sort of say, no, I want to be the number one software filmmaking design soft. You know, uh, mm-hmm. which is what Black Magic Design is uh, on the yeah. planet, and they just continue to go at it. it it's it, at the end of the day, um, businesses are just aggregations of people. And, and, you know, the, the people that have that drive, the people that have that vision, the, the, the people that just have that, some, that extra little spark, it's, mm-hmm. again, it won't fit into a spreadsheet. But if you can find someone like that, and it's not easy to uncover, but it's, mm-hmm. it's some, it, it will allow me to put up with a lot of other stuff that, that would normally send me packing when I know that there's, there's someone with a bit of a visionary uh, at the wheel because a lot of the time it works out. And, and when it works out, it works out really well. That, and, that, and that's the key thing, I think. Particularly if you've got it in a growth business or a business that's small and growing. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the occasional one blows up. I mean, you know, we talk about founder owners and yeah. visionaries and we can include, you know, the bonds and the scases in that list too, right? So sure. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't only paint this as a positive, but 
again, the, the maths of this, particularly with small companies that are growing, is the most you can lose is 100%, which sucks. But the most you can make is literally unbounded, and but in, in in you know in real terms, in in realistic terms, maybe you double, triple, quadruple, you know, make ten times your money. The the, yeah. the the range of outcomes. If I owned a, if if I if I'd have bought shares in Bond, Scase, Bezos, and Jobs, you know what? Mm. I'd have a squillion dollars. Mm. You know, and, and yeah. yes, the Bond and Scase are the the exceptions that maybe prove the rule. Maybe they don't. But the the reality of the total, if you add all those things up. You know, and and work out where that goes. There's plenty of others besides, by the way. A whole lot of great, cool little tech founder owner businesses in Australia doing their best to, to make make things. Some will work, some won't, and that's completely cool. Uh, but that's yeah. that's. You know, just you just thought it was, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder thing. Um, it, Richard Fidler again. Speaking of Fidler again, twice in a podcast, um, talks about the fact that he thinks it's un, un, un um, what's the word? Uncommonly true. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. that the a lot of comedians have had. Have lost parents early in life, yeah. um, or have spent long periods of convalescence, particularly old kids and say polio recovering that kind of stuff, where they they had nothing to do for twelve months, mm. and they were separated from family and friends. And just he, he says, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make a claim. He just says, you know, it's uncanny. Uncanny was what I was looking for. Uncanny how many mm. successful comedians have had some sort of early life trauma or or something that kind of has propelled them forward. And I think that, you know, whether that's true or not, whether that stands up to to critical scientific reason, um, just that very idea of backing the guy or the girl who just is not going to take no for an answer again yes yep. they may maybe they should sometimes and maybe that does risk your investment so this is not a one stock portfolio suggestion but if mm. i if, if i could have a portfolio of just those i i would be very 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 comfortable that's probably going to be market beating yeah yep practically just before we move on so what, what, what do you do when in terms of uncovering that so i'm sure people are nodding their heads saying yeah okay it sounds great yeah. what, what you know i've got a dozen companies i'm sort of considering yeah. what, what do they yeah. what do they do how do how do they how do they analyze that component look i think i think well the first thing is i mean it's if you have access to some screening tools you can possibly look for things like founder ownership for example as a starting point that can be hard this is one of those cases where Peter Lynch's scuttlebutt method is really useful. I mean, go back to the Jerry Harveys of the world, right? You have you can have views on Jerry Harvey. He has built a remarkably profitable business of Harvey Norman over what well, must be close to fifty years now, right? And he yep. wasn't exactly a shrinking violet. Rosalind no. Kogan, I own Kogan shares. I'll mention it again this week. You made me do it. It's a drinking um, game. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he's been he's been all over the media. He's the guy saying, "Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to do." Um, you know, JB Hi-Fi again, founders back in the day. These these people come to the, uh, Grant Petty from Black Magic Design is now mm. in the in the press. You know this mm. is it's not overly difficult to, to write these things down because they will bubble up. The, the, the other thing about Iconoclast is they they're pretty public, right? Because they're great fodder for journalists. They want to write about this stuff, and so mm. it's not it's not particularly difficult to look back and look for even honestly. Google founder ASX. It's probably as yeah. simple as you need to do, right? And that's a really, really good starting point because you're going to get ASX companies with founders. And, you're to, and it's not, there's no simple, like, you know, this is not a two-minute job, so you're going to have to want to do it. Um, but it's not, to, I, could, I reckon if you and I sat down for 45 minutes, we could probably assemble a list of 40 founder owners. And of those, we could probably find some reporting from five or 10 of those who are of this sort of vibe of, you know, Stuart, I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and do it anyway. I'm going to, going to make this work. Um, mm-hmm. occasionally controversial occasionally outspoken again people dislike Jerry Harvey and they're welcome to or not I, I think the guy's done a spectacular job and I think he's a bit, a bit brash and a bit brusque from time, from time to time but it's hard to you know, it's hard, it's hard to doubt his, his success again Rosalind Kogan same kind of mould he literally went and picked a fight with Jerry to make a point to get in the media to say here's what yeah. we're going to go and try and do it's, you know, they're, they're not and that's just a couple of examples there's plenty of others 
Jobs himself, right? Bezos uh, own Amazon shares for, the, for disclosure. Um, Elon Musk. You know, these, these people are hard to find if you actually start looking for them. I reckon that's how I do it. Uh, do you have yeah. a, a suggestion? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think it's just reading, reading, and then more reading. You know, yeah. I, I always laugh to myself when you see people on Twitter or whatever, and they've got like five <laughs> screens in front of them and a supercomputer. Mm. And it's just like, and then you sort of see the pictures of, of Munger and Buffett, and they just sort of sit there in an armchair reading paper reports. So I, I just think I spend most of my time just mm. reading whatever I can get my hands on. And you'll, it's hard not to form a view. And you yeah. can go back for company, like, you know, pick Kogan, right? I mean, it's been around for ages. There's, there is so many mat- much material there that you can read. Mm-hmm. And you just start to get, you start to pick out, the, it's the language that they use. It's the things that they're talking about. It comes back to sort of the vision yeah. and the rest of it. And one yeah. more point I'll make before we move on is that I think we, we have to separate out the right characteristics. So, I'm yep. I'm actually a, so I'm a fan of Elon Musk, right? And I, right. I think he's a force for good net in terms of the planet. Yep. Um, do I think he's like a really weird guy? You know, <laughs> would I like to be friends with him? Allegedly. I, I, Allegedly, I don't. I don't know. I mean, look at look at Jobs. Uh, look <laughs> yeah. at look all the people that you mentioned. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, you right. know, they've got some really unsavory characteristics about them. So I think <laughs> the the other hard part is as well is is that you can look at a lot of these these people and go, oh, what a douchebag. And that might be true, but that's not the characteristic you're <laughs> you're you're trying to appraise. Yeah. See, there's, so there's yeah. there's plenty of really you know people that you yeah. wouldn't invite to a dinner party, but that you would love to have running your business. So it's it's trying not to let that that personal subjectivity mm-hmm. get in the way. So it's sort so of true, right? you know my my maids always I always get some WhatsApp message or something whenever Musk does something stupid because oh you know your boyfriend's <laughs> done something dumb and you know, ha 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 and I'm like yeah he's a weird guy I I mean I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm the first to admit that. He's, I mean, he just does some. He was doing some stupid stuff in COVID, and you know. So, but it, really it's was. it's there's there is. Yeah. I mean, I reckon you could go back to you know Benjamin Franklin was probably a bit of a an a hole in some regards as well. You yeah. know, they're like even these yeah. these great iconoclastic characters from history. I mean, it, we just don't live. It, it, it's a, it's a very eight year old way of looking at the world. You know, like yeah. no one's yeah. perfect. We're all human. Yeah. We all we all have our own yeah. foibles and and weaknesses and the rest of it. And I think that's true for a lot of. CEOs, but but it's easy to sort of go, oh, that that person really rubs me the wrong way, and and when you do that, you can miss the, the characteristics that what are more important for you. Are they important characteristics to note if you want to sort of be their friend? Yes. Are they important characteristics to note if you want to back <laughs> them to to run your company that yeah. you own a part ownership in? Well, well, no. And I, I, so I just it's just a point worth making here. It's not a black and white world. There's there's plenty of great entrepreneurs that are that are not mm. nice people. <laughs> it's usually you mentioned Musk actually, mate. We're doing to move on, but. Um, I avoided Tesla actually for those reasons, not because I was looking for a Musk, Musk being a friend, but because I just wasn't. I, I thought he was too volatile a character, and oh, that is, well, yeah, and you know, I mean, he was almost banned from running the company by by the SEC in the US for some of his you know tweets that he seemed not to care about. Yeah. Um, the Dogecoin stuff he carries on about the Bitcoins, the tweets, all that oh kind my of stuff. God. I, yeah, I, yeah. And it, not that, not that I, I mean. I, as you say, I don't have to be friends with him, but I but I do. My concern has always been: Does he know where that line is when it comes to running the company? Mm. And you know what? I figured my, my my view was always: You know what? If I don't buy the shares and and, they, and the company crashes, I don't lose anything. 
And if the company does well, then then it kind of helps save the world, right? And I figure that's okay. if I don't own shares and that they're the outcomes, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like you know, I, to some level, like the world needs must to succeed, right? This is really really important. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, I just love an adult in the room just to make sure he doesn't just go that one step too far. You know, mm. you can bet on heads and then heads and then heads and then heads and then heads. And you'd be right five times in a row. Do you want to keep betting? You know, want to keep tossing that coin and betting the whole thing on on the next the next thing? And maybe you maybe you're lucky. Maybe you get away with it. And frankly, in hindsight, maybe I've been wrong objectively or subjectively to, to avoid it on that basis. But um, I just kind of I couldn't quite bring myself to say, you know what? I think he's a a an acceptable risk as a, as a CEO given given the loose cannonness. Well, others, you know, jobs I would have happily bought shares in. Bezos, I own shares in Amazon. Um, there are others who had happily invested. I just felt like Musk was at risk of risking the company as a whole in mm. the in the chase of what he was looking for. And I just simply went, you know what, I'm not taking that risk. Maybe in hindsight I should have, hard to know. But uh, that, that's why I, I missed that one. No, I, I can't I can't fault that. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, 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 anything could happen with that guy. So, but, <laughs> but, 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 but just, to, just to bring it back to the original point, I think he, yes. it, under anyone else's stewardship, it really wouldn't have done what it did. I mean, the amount of cash flow that they were burning through, you know, the, the odds that were against mm, them mm. was just, you mm. needed someone with just this blind <laughs> faith and massive yeah. drive and yeah. huge vision. And, you know, it, it's, 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 again, it's That's this it, thing right. that, yeah. Yeah. It's this thing it doesn't fit in the spreadsheet, but is it, the, the same business with the same business plan under almost anyone mm. else would not have worked. So it's mm. it just it just comes back to to that that persona, I think, which is which is just so important. So yeah, just yeah, like be, 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 be if you want to. We've talked about having a few edges when it comes to investing. One is thinking uh, uh, long term. One is mm. not being you know freaked out by by volatility. <laughs> but the other the other one really is just familiarity. If you mm. just mm. know a little bit more than than mm. the majority of participants out there. Um, it is such a huge edge, and so spend spend your time familiarising yourself with with um, and the information is is out there more more today than anywhere else. Um, you'll be able to, when when something, for example, with Tesla does happen, you'll be able to contextualise that much more if if you're very familiar with with the the person running it and the history and the things that have that have happened in the past than if you're just just running on the numbers alone. Yeah, good one. Mate, um, I want to move to something. I'm, I'm loath to kind of make this climate corner, um, but it kind of is, right? So, I, and it's not, not not from an ideological perspective, although you and I have talked about climate change before and we're both uh, accepting of the science. The couple of things happened effectively yesterday, today. The first was an article in the SMH, or The Age probably as well, um, basically about AGL and, and Origin Energy. And it just, the quote that grabbed me is, and we talk about, you know, skating to where the puck is. So, John Briskin, who's the head of retail for Origin Energy, here's the quote. The predicted energy future we have been preparing for is no longer in the future. It's here and now. Um, and I think that was just, just you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, making sure you are looking forward as an investor, not just back. Not so that established businesses, you know, well-known run businesses, you know, storied old businesses can't do really, really well. It's not about which business, but it is which trend, right? So the whole idea yeah. of like, is it coming, is it coming, is it coming? Maybe it's not, maybe it's not. All of a sudden it's like, you know, origin based saying, you know what? The, the future is here. You know, mm. it, it is here now. And if you were preparing for it, you're ready for it. If you weren't preparing for it, if you were arguing against it or stuck in the mud or trying to prevent it, then you've mm. got, you got, you got caught, right? You got whacked. Um, yeah. the, the, you know, some of these um, 
so, some of the, so here's, here's another part of this article. However, after 3.3 gigawatts of new wind and solar power capacity were plugged into the nation's main grid during 2020, the Australian energy market operator, this is the regulator, has described the pace of change as, quotes, staggering, end quote, and believes it is feasible for renewables to make up more than 90% as early as the mid-2030s if the trajectory continues. Mm. Now, when, when we're used to thinking about, you know, companies like Woolworths or BHP that have been doing their thing for years and will keep doing their thing for years, that's, you know, you, you think in decades and kind of talk about the past performance and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I, AEMO is how they pronounce it, are pretty much saying, you know what, as soon as 15 years' time, 90% of the energy market could be stuff other than coal and gas, which is just staggering. Welcome from a scientific perspective and from a climate perspective, but just staggering. Yeah, um, and my point is always this. It's just sort of like I just don't want to get drawn into the climate change debate. It's not a debate for the record. I mean, it's a debate against 99% of sane people and 1% of people yep. who get all their news on Facebook. Um, oh, I'll stand <laughs> That's behind Andrew that. Send, send in the hate mail. I don't, you know, sometimes at, at a point you've just got to call a spade a spade, right? But but I, but I don't even want to like – here's the, here's the thing. You don't even – it doesn't even come into it. These yeah. – these they're, they're, it is just – Right, cheaper. that's exactly. Yeah, it's economic. Yep. So, it, so let, let I, I made the point last week or the week before. It's like let, let, let's say that the 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 Earth's atmosphere could take another you know a trillion tons of carbon dioxide and not not move the dial. Yep. We'd be doing it anyway because because it's just cheap and that, that's what capitalism does. It strives to the most efficient sort of means of production and and the most efficient means of production comes from these new technologies and the cost curve is dropping rapidly, really, really, really rapidly as well. So it's a question yeah. of, you know, just let's just do it because it makes sense. And oh, by the way, by the way, we might just save the planet and life on Earth <laughs> at the same time. So yeah, yeah I, I think, I think, um, I think, what do I think? I think that I would be, it'd be a very brave long-term investor that, that was going to back some of these things. I think there's going to be a lot of stranded assets um, in this space. Yep. Probably be a $600 million gas-fired power plant amongst that mix. Um, without so mate, just quickly, Ross Garno is in the paper today, quoted as saying, we're burying banknotes. <laughs> That's what we're doing, which is yeah. about right, exactly. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a that's a reference to uh, Keynes, by the way, who said that in uh, bad times you should just bury a bunch of uh, dollar bills and then dig them up again. Like he, he, was, he was a thought experiment as to what governments uh, uh, yeah, uh, right. c- could do to help stimulate the economy. So it's sort of there like we are we are doing this sort of futile thing. It's going to spend a bit of money to sort of get <laughs> get some work and stuff done mm-hmm. and, and create a little bit of stimulus. But geez, it's not really mm-hmm. going to provide anything for us longer term. So yeah, I guess. I guess to, my, my only my only sort of yep. point slash rant on all of this kind of stuff is is that the it, you've got to look at this you've got to look at this rationally from a pure economics perspective and you'll you'll reach that conclusion so be so be careful if you're in some of these old technologies because they they are they are very the, the the balance sheets of these companies have billions of dollars on them but are they really worth that I I don't know I could I could very easily see some massive write downs happening. Now there'll be non-cash write downs and rah rah rah, but you know they they they, yep. they are probably and 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 here's the other thing, right? So when when we reach a tipping point technologically, things move really fast. So we live in a world where there's not really too many linear relationships, as a mathematician mm-hmm. would call it. Sort of things just sort of tick along, tick along, tick along, and you hit an inflection mm-hmm. point, and then 
bang. I mean, look at rooftop solar in Australia. Look at look at how fast that has changed. And I think we'll see the same kind of thing in terms of the energy grid and the energy uh, market, where where sort of like people will be dragged, kicking and screaming, and nothing will happen. It'll look like there'll be no change, and then it will happen faster than any of us thought were possible. Not because everyone's singing kumbaya and holding hands and decided that they, <laughs> they, they, they want to save the planet, just because it's sort of like there'll, there'll be a social dimension to that in terms of, one, well, it just makes sense, and two, oh, crap, all of our competitors are doing it and they've got a cost mm-hmm. advantage and we need to do it. And there'll be a real race amongst that. So I expect yeah. that I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic, I'd like to think, of the future because that, that when it... I think when you extrapolate the the current pace of change and the it's pretty depressing, mm. but I do have a bit of a hope that when when that switch happens, it'll be a very rapid switch, and we'll we'll actually start to th- see see investment and change uh, accelerate quite rapidly. I That's hope the thing, so. I mean, it, because it's a, because it's a, a national market, the lowest priced operators will get the business, and so to some yeah. degree, if you're if you're a renewable provider and you're cheaper than the coal or gas equivalent, the business goes to you. And at some point, the current asset owners say, well, hang on, we can't keep the lights on. So we might as well shut the thing down. And that, that, that's the tipping point that, as you say, and that's, that's what I want to make the point of this, it, not so much about the climate per se, although, as I said, we have earth on the record on that one, as you rightly pointed out, um, that, you know, when the future is here, it's not, not just the future is in the climate future, it's like the economic future is here. And being, right now. Mm. you know, yeah. And being, by the way, I would apply this in reverse to ethical investors too, who only invest ethically because they somehow believe that they're going to make money just because it's ethical. Whether, whether you whether you believe in climate change or not, whether you whether you believe in coal or gas or, or wind or you know solar, it actually doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what you mm. believe; it only matters what the what the numbers say and do. Um, yeah. You know, Philip Morris Altria was the best performing stock in the US in half a century, whether you liked it or not. In mm. this case, on the other on the other side of the coin. You know, renewable energy is cheaper, whether you like it or not. And you just, mm. you know, you're going to either stick your head in the sand and lose money or not make money, or you can say, this is the reality, whether I care or not, it's what's going on. Mate, let yeah. me quickly go to, go to something. I don't want to spend too long on this one either, but um, Exxon in the US, the big oil giant, speaking of climate, has actually, this is, this is a remarkable change. So an activist hedge fund trying to basically get Exxon to take or climate change seriously, reported it seriously, and I don't want to suggest they're not doing it. I want to end up with a nasty letter from a lawyer. Let's just say that mm-hmm. an activist hedge fund... Well, basically, they have said, we want you to do this properly. We want you to understand what... We, we want you to share what's going on. We want to know you have plans for a lower carbon world. We want to know what the impact is and all that kind of stuff. And to, you know, to this point... Those things have been left to Greenpeace protest out the front door or an activist shareholder at the AGM getting up and ranting, right? It's been that kind of theatre and show. Mm. In this case, the hedge fund has two, possibly three seats on the new Exxon board. The, yeah. you know, the barbarians aren't at the gate. The barbarians are in the boardroom now. And, and to some yeah. degree, you know, that's, again, you choose, you can say side's good, you can side's bad. It doesn't really, again, it doesn't really matter what you think of it. I have a view, you have a view doesn't matter what we think of it. The reality is they are now at the board table and there is going to be this this corporate governance, this ESG, all these things, they, these are going to change. This is going yeah. to change the way these businesses have to do business if for no other reason than the cosy kind of boys club of a director of a board where everyone everyone plays the same game and it observes the same conventions. That's changing. They, these guys yeah. are not going to, yeah, they'll, do, they'll operate legally, I'm sure, and ethically and appropriately. But I'll tell you what, you can't expect these are going to be nice tea and sandwiches board meetings where nothing mm-hmm. changes and no one says anything outside the boardroom, right? This is real 
you know, significant movements where all of a sudden at the very, very highest levels of a business and frankly all businesses given how important Big Exxon is, it's a really seismic shift. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I'd also go back a little bit on what you were talking about with the cigarette companies before. I, I don't know mm. if you've if you've told the story on the podcast before, but it's a fascinating one, and I just I'll dig into it because it, it resonates with what's happening here, which is that so, so smoking rates since the fifties have just dropped, like yeah, for the, which is a great thing, and it's it's dropped precipitously, and yet they've been really really profitable companies. Like you've done really well as a shareholder. Now, so the the, the short answer to that is why. Is because they were smart. They were, you know, they continued doing what they were doing, but they were smart in the sense that they weren't doubling down. So what they did was mm. said, right, we are going to absolute spend the bare minimum we can on maintenance capex, capital expenditure, yeah. just yeah. to keep the cigarette rolling machines going, and just and we'll, and we'll keep and we'll keep selling it. And any money that we make, we're either going to pay out into a dividend or we're going to invest into something entirely different. <laughs> and so they continued to sell as many cigarettes as they could, even though the amount of cigarettes they were selling were going down and down and down each year. Yeah. But but the, 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 where they were smart was they didn't double down. And and I think mm-hmm. this is so. Just to tie this yeah. back to Exxon, I think this is where this is probably a, a good thing for Exxon longer term mm-hmm. to get some mm-hmm. fresh thinking into the boardroom, to get some diversity into the boardroom, and sort of say, listen, look, these these extra board seats aren't going to mean that Exxon just says, hey, we're not doing this stuff anymore. Of course <laughs> they are, and they've got a lot of long lived assets that they want to maximise the value of, and maybe they should. I mean, even even in a clean energy world, we're still going to need a lot of these products. So that's yep. that's yep. all good. But, but I, I think it actually could be a, a good thing longer term in the sense of say, hey, okay, we're an incredibly insanely profitable company, which is, you know, billions of capital at our disposal. Um, let's, let's, but let's just think of the future. Let's, let's not make new investments where they're not warranted. Let's just keep things ticking over where we need them to. Let's start diverting more of the capital that we make back to shareholders in cash and then they can make the decision on where they want to invest it. Or we'll make that decision on their behalf, but we'll put that into other areas which we know uh, are on the ascent, and so I think mm-hmm. I think if uh, th- there's a great lesson to be learnt from what the cigarette companies did here, and, and hopefully Exxon and others will will learn that as well. I mean, we've got no, no matter how passionately you are uh, passionate you are about the the climate and the rest of it, mm-hmm. pragmatically, it's not just all going to be switched off tomorrow. It's, there's going to be a transition, so it's about yeah. managing that transition. And and just by having that that diversity of opinion and that different influence on the board sheet, hopefully we'll tip them in that direction, and yep. and ironically for for their own good, and and that's mm. well that's my hope at least. As a, as a shareholder, I, just to play devil's advocate for a second, man, I actually agree with everything you said, but I'm not blind to the possibility that those who are on the board for reasons other than good corporate governance in the in the absolute kind of fiduciary sense hmm. can actually potentially risk some of these companies if let, let's let's hope let's hypothesize about another company because i don't want to cast mm-hmm. any aspersions here because i don't i don't know these people i don't know the hedge fund but let's assume that bhp has a couple of people join the bhp board who happen to be from and i won't name it either but so you know some, some extreme environmental group who fun, somehow get proxied onto the bhp board mm-hmm. and not just making sure that bhp's kind of you know corporate governance policies include the risk of climate change but actively seek to cause damage, um, almost, 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 you know, ideologically. Mm. Are, are you not concerned that there is some risk that at some point it goes from helpful, you know, helpful, helpful kind of friendly opposition in the boardroom, the old, you know, devil's advocate at the board table, to 
kind of, you know, something that could, I won't say threaten capitalism because that's way too extreme. But, you know, it's, at some point, you know, yes, boards are horribly overrepresented by old style white blokes who, you know, maybe aren't, aren't catching up with the future and we need more boardroom diversity. But I'm not, I'm not blind to the idea that at some point, we could end up with kind of, you know, it actually undermining the ability of these businesses to even succeed, even in that changed world, even if they were partial to it, simply because the, the new interlopers actually want to cause trouble rather than actually improve what's going on. Yeah, yeah, totally. That that's a risk. I mean, but but the the structure of it, I think, makes it unlikely. So if you were to say to me that uh, more than fifty percent of the board was of that ilk, then yeah. then yeah, but but they don't, and they they are in the minority. So so they they won't be. They just don't have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. And and what will happen is just again through sheer pragma- pragmatism is yeah. that they will have to reach compromise on a bunch of stuff. So the the extreme on one side won't get their way. Entirely, and the extreme on the other side won't. They they will be forced into more of a compromise. Is is my hope for those okay. things? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would be it would be different if 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 they had full control uh, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. But but I you know I don't I don't see that that sort of happening. So it, it's like there's actually a bunch of academic studies which sort of show that the best thing you can have for a board is diversity. Whether that's yeah, a totally. gender diversity, whether it's a yeah. cultural diversity, whether it's an age diversity, when when you have 12 70-year-old Anglo-Protestant white guys, you know, it, it's just yeah. like, well, you've really got one person there, you know? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you need, it, 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 it just, it, it doesn't matter how smart or capable or whatever they are. You, you just, mm. we all live in our own little social bubbles and <laughs> we, you just, you, 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 the broader that is, the, the broader the perspective, the broader the mm. pool of experience um, mm. is, it, it's actually a strength. Again, it's like so many of these things, you can sort of argue it's good because it's good for its own sake and I agree with yeah. that very strongly. But it's also good, again, ironically enough, it's actually good financially for the business. Um, yeah exactly you know what i mean so it's it's kind of like i, I think it's i think it's great news what's happened with, with exxon i don't think I, I hear what you're saying i i just don't see that tipping to a to a majority anytime soon um mm. so i think all it does is it just it forces that diversity it forces compromise and that compromise will probably be a far more realistic uh position than than the extreme from either end that's probably right. I, I, again, I just to have as advocate, I would I would say that there's uh, examples <laughs> of of iconoclastic uh, CEOs who force. Yeah, you know, imagine Elon Musk, right, with a with a a different board who actually were holding him to account and letting him do some stuff. On one hand, maybe they're saving him from himself. On the other hand, maybe the Model S never gets made because uh, you know what, Elon, it could be a bit expensive. And we've engaged these consultants, and they think you should do something different. Um, mm. there, there is there, there is there is obviously shade True. of grain in all this, but I I think totally. you're absolutely right. Mate, yep. we are done. We are out of time. Uh, we should share our social media accounts and, and wrap up, and then we'll come back. Can we come back on Sunday with a mailbag? I'm always keen for the mailbag. I enjoy <laughs> it a lot. Good man, good man. Hey, as a quick aside, as I introduce my our socials, I, I've been. Can you believe this? I, I'm like I'm Neville Nobody, right, on social media compared to the Kim Kardashians and everybody else. I've had people literally copy, spoof my account, pretend to be I me saw. to try and scam people on Bitcoin. You've made it. Like. You've well, made it. What I love about it is no one who follows me think I'm actually so you know it's I'm the worst person. If you have a spoof someone, spoof someone who actually likes Bitcoin, right? Don't pretend you're yeah. me. Give me away Bitcoin because <laughs> people know I'm not going to be doing that. But yeah. So look. Anyway, so I'll yeah. start with the Facebook. If you're on Facebook, the Motley Fool Australia is the Motley Fool's corporate account. Scott Phillips' money is mine. Please be careful if you do see something allegedly posted. Not the actual page. You probably won't see the page itself because 
Facebook probably won't serve it to you and you don't follow it. But if you look at any comments and it looks a bit dodgy, uh, in this case, it was apparently Bitcoin Pizza Day. And they were, if you send them one Bitcoin, they send back three or something, which obviously is not going to happen. Free money. Free money. I know. Who could, who, yeah, who could, who could possibly yeah. think that was a scam? Anyway, yeah. if you do see that, uh, just, just check to make sure it is the right page. So Scott Phillips Money is my page. If you jump on that, you should be, uh, you should be, you should be sweet. Uh, if nice. you're on Twitter, jump on to TMF Scott P or The Motley Fool AU. And if you want to follow Andrew and Strawman, Andrew is under, at Sage underscore Simeon. That's Sage underscore Simeon. And Strawman Invest on the Twitters. Instagram, mm-hmm. TMF Scott P and The Motley Fool AU. If you want to send us an email, you can do that. Email us at info at fool.com.au and jump on The Motley Fool Australia YouTube channel. We've just kind of upped our, upped our game on YouTube. Uh, we're posting a stock of the week, which by the way, you will have also heard in this podcast feed. So I hope you enjoyed that on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, that's all there. So jump on any of those, all of those, so not any, all of those socials. Jump on all of them. So too much social is never, never enough. And uh, follow, follow us there. Again, that's the best place to hit us up. If you've got questions, comments, feedback, if you want a question answered on an upcoming mailbag edition, it's a great way to get your question answered. Of course, before we go, don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast. Leave us a review and a recommendation. If you wouldn't mind, you can get it through iTunes, your favorite Android podcast app, or of course, the listener app. We're part of the Southern Cross Osterio family. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us that rating or review in any one of those podcast apps. It helps people find the app. It makes Andrew feel better. And you know, Andrew's a nice bloke. Make him feel better. Make him smile. Come on. He's a good bloke. (laughs) And of course, you can get a dose of Foolish straight to your inbox by going to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M. That's uh, some information and marketing and some uh, email newsletters from me. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll see you on Sunday with another dose of special mailbag foolish insight. Full on. Catch you then. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.